0: Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and so are all of you, presumably. Welcome to episode 45, in which we get felted with Aaron Risberger. And when I talk about felted, I mean wool. Erin Risberger is of Quilting Acres, and she was in touch with me after hearing me talk about felted wool projects on previous episodes of this podcast, and when I went to her Etsy shop to check her out, I absolutely fell in love with her stuff, so I asked her for an interview. Now, we've been working on scheduling this interview for, I don't know, maybe three weeks now between her schedule, my schedule just wasn't gelling, and we finally got it locked in this afternoon. So I am really glad to be able to bring you this conversation with Aaron. Now, before I start, I do have to give you some apologies for some volume issues I was having. Um, as you know, I've been having some computer issues lately, which meant when I went to interview um, Aaron today, I rather unexpectedly had to reinstall my recording software. And I was having some problems with volume control. So you can hear my end of things fine. It was Erin's end of things that was not recording it uh, as high a volume as I would like. So I did what I could with amplifying her um, her part of the conversation. But that does mean you're going to get some machine kind of background noise sort of stuff going on that happens when you use the Amplify feature in Audacity. Um, but I do think you can hear her well enough. And I really hope you can because it was a fun conversation. I enjoyed talking to Erin. And Erin, thank you very much for taking the time to do that um i do also want to say by the way episode 45 and i'm 45 years old i think maybe that means like the sky's gonna fall in or something <laughs> i don't know Podcast anniversary hitting the same number of episodes as the years i am old and it's all too cosmic for my mind to really comprehend um In any case, back to, uh, back to business. After my interview with Aaron, I will give you the Sandy update, such as it is, listener comments, and a few other reminders. now, just a little bit of background before we get into the conversation with Aaron. I realized after Aaron and I were talking that um, I was kind of making the assumption that most people would know what wool applique or felted wool was. And, you know, if you're new around Quilting Town, you may not be aware that you can do applique with wool just as easily, um, and in fact, actually more easily, in my opinion, than you can with cotton fabric. So if you like applique but you haven't been able to really get down those cotton type techniques, try. Felted wool. It's very easy to work with. It doesn't fray. It's really forgiving. And a few years back, you could only get it in primitives country colors. Now you can get it in a huge wide array of colors, um, not the least of which, of course, are available at Aaron Risberger's website, but we'll get into that later. Felted wool is simply wool cloth that basically you've beaten up to within an inch of its life. (laughs) And frankly, you've probably done it by mistake. Um, You know, I had a wool sweater once, (laughs) and I no longer have that wool sweater. Uh, You know, unfortunately, I ruined it well back before I was into quilt making, or I would have had a great little table runner out of it, I guess, probably. In any case, there's a couple of different ways you can felt wool. When I first started doing my first felted wool project, which was a kit, I believe, Uh, The instructions that it came with were that I had to felt the wool myself, and in order to do it, I think all I did was just toss it through a couple of wash and dry cycles, uh, according to these instructions. Um, But there are other methods to it, rather than taking the time to go into those methods here, and and Aaron does touch on them a little bit in our conversation, but uh, I did find a website with some very straightforward directions on eHow, so I will post a link to that website in the show notes of this episode. And also... In the spirit of the Green Stitch podcast with Ann Kenyon, who is another one of my favorite podcasters, not only because she's another Western New Yorker, woo uh, you can repurpose wool suits, skirts, blazers, coats, and so forth for wool applique projects. Um, again, Erin and I talk about that a little bit in our conversation. I asked her some things about what to look for if you're shopping for your wool at a thrift store or you're going through your closets for outdated clothing, that kind of thing. And so she gives some tips and hints for that. You can use felted wool for a huge wide variety of things. I've done wall hangings and um, table toppers, mostly something called penny rugs. And penny rugs get that name because uh, the outer border is basically wool kind of tabs with circles or called pennies on them. They're very cute. Um, They're kind of a primitive feel to them. You can also use felted wool for pin cushions, mug rugs, purses, totes, a whole bunch of small gifty kinds of things. I have recently started seeing a lot more felted wool used in large quilts, and especially in combination with cotton. So um, I, I don't want to say that's a new thing, because pretty much anything we're doing now has probably already been done in the quilty world before, you know, in the several hundred years <laughs> that quilt making has been around. But it's just a trend that I've been seeing lately, is mixing wool with cotton in quilts. And that's a really cool look that I like, too. Uh, felted wool applique is about as simple as you get mostly because you really don't have to worry about those wool edges fraying, um, and it's very portable. I've taken it with me as projects to work on while I'm sitting in board meetings, actually. Shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, so I'm, like I said, I'm a big fan of felted wool applique. It's something I'd really encourage you all to try out, and maybe this conversation with Aaron will get you started. So um, that's all I'm going to give for your background and my introduction, and now it's time to listen to my conversation with Aaron. Okay, I am talking to Erin Risberger who I know through the um, wonderful dyed wool felt that she makes. Erin, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself to begin with? Um,
1: I work from home, and I have a two-year-old son, so I do most of my hand dye wool and um, create designs and um, patterns with the wool that I dye. And let's see, I'm not sure... What else was like to no. know? <laughs> I guess maybe you can head me in the right direction.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, you did mention that um, you have a young child, and, and he's pretty young, right?
1: Yes, he's two.
0: Okay. We uh, we had to time our interview around his nap time, but as it turns out, he's not actually home right now, correct?
1: Correct, yes. My husband actually was nice enough to come get him. So <laughs> Call you a bit early, or have you call me a bit early so we could take care of the interview in peace?
0: (laughs) That's always helpful. However, I can't say the same thing for my two dogs, who might start barking at any time. So, you know, there's always background noise. Um, How did you get into the whole wool felt thing to begin with?
1: Um, I actually wanted. I was. I started quilting in um, '99, and I did a few quilts, and then I kind of got a little bit bored with. Um, I wanted to do something different and the local shop here had um, like a little wool needle um, keeper and so I just kind of jumped in and said oh yeah let's try some hand work and um, I loved it. I, the gal that taught it was very patient with me and um, just did some, a, a few basic stitches with embroidery and um, wool applique and I just took off from there. I noticed in the projects that I wanted to create or design that there weren't a lot of the bright colors available for me, and we didn't have a lot of um, salted wool for sale in my local area. So I ended up um, starting with, like, thrift shops and things to find wool, and then over dyeing them the colors that I preferred. And then my stash got really out of hand, (laughs) and I I started to sell it on Etsy, and then noticed that there was... um, a demand for it and so I kept it up and um, now my stash is really out of control <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> Now you had mentioned I've been doing felted wool projects for a while as well and, and one of the things um, that I really appreciated about your wool was that you did have some different colors available um, Do you find that certain colors tend to sell better than others? or?
1: Um, I do notice like for, for instance right now I have a lot of Apple, like a really um, bright apple green and shades of that that tend to be selling quickly and I think it maybe has to do with the seasons when people are ready for um, bright, cheery fabrics, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of the winter. Yeah, for me, I, I would say that the bright like, um are bigger sellers for me than the Primitive Stones, maybe because they're more accessible than um, what I offer.
0: That certainly could be because it's... I, I know there's a couple of stores in my area that do sell the felted wool, but they sell more the, the darks, the primitives, the country colors. So I have to go searching <laughs> to find those brighter colors. And I was thrilled to find you because you do have some gorgeous lighter colors. Thank you. Um, talk a little bit about how you, your wool can be used. And you did mention that you also do designs and patterns and that kind of thing. If somebody's listening to this who has never even heard of felted wool before, um, Let's backtrack a little bit and and bring them up to speed. What what does felted wool involve?
1: Um, Well, the nice thing about felted wool is you can cut the edge and not have to finish it. Like, for instance, if you're doing an applique, any applique project you could really do with wool applique and then either do like a whip stitch or a blanket stitch, buttonhole stitch um, to attach it to the background fabric. And if you chose to use, like, a cotton fabric as your background, you just want to use a hoop or a um, maybe, like, a fusible fleece to make it more stable. And then um, just slip stitch your pieces on. Um, in traditional applique, you turn the edges, like, for the cotton so that um, they don't unravel. And with the wool, you don't have to do that because it's felted, so it's a tighter weave and the edges won't fray. Um, if you do have a looser weave of Wool, like a wool blend or something. Yeah, wool blend, with, you could use like a, a two-sided fusible web or something to that effect to help it um, not grapple.
0: Let's talk about the types of pro- projects. When I first started getting into um, felted wool projects, it was pretty much just penny rugs. That's all you saw anywhere, um, which I love, and I've done a, c- a couple of those. What other kinds of things might you be able to use felted wool for?
1: Oh, um, well, lots of different things. Um, I do a lot of designing little projects or even I just did a couple of bags where um, I designed a wool bag with, with like a cotton lining and then just put a fun little applique on the front. Um, I used my physics die cut machine and just punched them out like I would um, paper and that's a whole other field of study, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and let's see, um, you could use them for wool, uh, wool applique, rug hooking, um, dolls and doll clothes and softies. They're nice because you can whip them up. You don't have to worry about turning the edges like a hem or something to that effect. Pincushions um, and needle keepers. And I'm just looking down my list here. <laughs> I, I caught everything. There's just a number of things you can do with it. You could even do like a pre-made sweatshirt like if you bought it at the store and it was just black or plain. I wear a lot of those out here on the farm. So mm-hmm. I like to uh, maybe applique a something bright on the front of it just to change it up a little bit. If you
0: do use wool, like, as a purse or something, is there anything you need to keep in mind in terms of its usability, You like not getting it wet, or, I mean, does it hold up pretty well?
1: Um, yes, I would say um, it would. Uh, well, because a lot of suits and coats are made from the wool. Um, I guess mine is a little bit different from the coat weight of wool fabric, but um, I have made, I usually make it with a lining, like a usable um, sleeve, Mm -hmm. and then a cotton lining on top of that but um, I guess the only thing to consider is um, when you wash it maybe use like a hand wash do a hand wash or something um, or maybe even I'm not sure about the um, dry cleaning I haven't tried that I've just like spot cleaned it Um, you can like wear against you if you have like I wear a satchel bag across the front of me normally and just the wear from friction on the back side of your clothes, it kind of um, just gets a little more worn, but you won't see it anyway when mm-hmm. you're wearing it. So. Hmm. Okay. Um, I guess that's really the only concerns I
0: have. <laughs> All right. Um, so what do you want to tell us about the dyeing process, and, and did you have to go through a little bit of trial and error to figure that out, too? Oh,
1: yeah. I'm still going through a little bit of trial and error as I go here. Um <laughs> I do have a background in um, fine art, so it is similar in color mix- mixing, I guess. Um, but it is quite different because you have, I generally mix up the col- colors before I put it into a boiling pot. And um, sometimes the color changes as it hits that um, higher temperature of water. So it's kind of hard to gauge, whereas if you're mixing paint, you can see it right there. So, mm. <laughs> And then also, um, in the dyeing process, it, some colors will accept quick, more quickly than others, so you actually have to wait for this um, dye process to complete and cool down before the, whole, the entire color is taken into the fabric. And that makes it so, so that it absorbs all the color, I guess, so you don't get a white core in the middle of your fabric.
0: And you use a lot of different like starter fabrics to begin with. I noticed some of yours have a bit of a pattern to them. Other ones are plain. That must take some testing out, too, to see what what will work.
1: Yes. I think you'd be surprised about some of the colors I over-dye. Just because some of the ugliest fabric can be over-dyed into something pretty or, you know, darker. Um, For instance, if you have a yellow, like a yellow um, suit coat or something that's out of date, you could over-dye it with a little bit of, like, a blue or an aqua color and get a pretty turquoise um, Hmm. fabric instead of the, you know, color I guess for my for my dye process hmm. I think I guess from start to finish there's a few hours of work involved um, and then I usually let it so I start the dyeing and then um, I let it come, come completely to cooling before I wash it and then I wash it and make sure to do an extra rinse and then I can um, send it out so that if you purchase it from my site you're ready to go you don't have to do anything to the fabric um that takes a little bit of time. I guess that's, that's it for it.
0: Okay. Well, and that's a good piece of information because for those of us who are used to doing felted wool, I shouldn't... You do wool and then you have to felt it yourself often. <laughs> so you're saying it, it's like pre-felted wool when you get it from you.
1: Yes. Um, once it leaves here, it's felted. You could also, though, um, if you prefer it to be a heavier, denser, um, even tighter than when I send it out, you can do more... To felt the fabric even more because once, um, uh, wool will continue to shrink if you either shock it or agitate it. Those, those are two ways of felting. In regards to felting the wool, I prefer to agitate the wool just because agitate it to felt it rather than shocking the fabric because it won't, um, it can actually wear quick, more quickly in spots if it is shocked, like going from extreme hot temperatures to extreme cold temperatures. And and to typically, rug hookers don't like it to be shocked just because um, it's um, not as strong.
0: Okay. So if somebody gets your um, felted wool from your Etsy shop, then they can agitate it. And by that, you mean throwing it in a washing machine for a little bit?
1: Yes. And you could actually do, um, for a top loader, you would just agitate it, like extreme agitation cycle. I'm not sure what that would be, maybe jeans or something. Okay. Um, I have a front-loading washing machine, so that's not an option. Um, so I just put in a couple of, um, like, beat-up towels with it, and that will help to agitate it more. Okay. Um, unfortunately, you know, those don't, They're, they're to be gentle on clothing, so mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to. A top loader better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have to trick your dish or your uh, washing machine into being tougher than it wants to be.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let me back up a little bit. You had mentioned that when you very first started doing, getting into wool projects before you went into business for yourself, that you spent a lot of time at thrift shops. And there's a big movement right now in the quilt-making world in terms of repurposing and recycling. So this is a fantastic way to recycle, like you said, old suit jackets, old outdoor clothes. Can you say a little bit about what to actually look for, what might work well from a thrift shop or from your own closet versus what might not work as
1: well? I guess I would suggest maybe like skirts um, or you could even do like the back of a suit jacket. Unfortunately, they put so much interfacing and stuff in the um, front part of the suit so it will hang well that um, it's really hard to get that stuff off. Um, so, like if you have typically the, gen- um, the back part of the suit jacket um, won't have that um, interfacing and then Sometimes when you're looking for, if you see like tablecloths or something like that, they're usually a blend. But you can do um, a match test where you take little fibers off the end and burn them. And if they smell like hair, it's wool. And if it um, tends to crinkle up and look like plastic, there's usually a blend. And you can do Google searches on that too um, for maybe a more (laughs) clear um, description of how to go about doing that. Blankets do work, you, they just tend to be a little bit heavier. I guess if you can tell, if you're, I guess for generally, picking up thrift stores, if you can tell that it's been in mothballs, um, maybe um, skip on those and do something that hasn't been, just because they're so toxic and you, it's really, you can't get the smell out. And I guess that's probably the biggest ones you find in thrift stores.
0: All right, um... So tell us a little bit about your Etsy shop. You said your stash started getting big, so you decided to just start selling it off, which is a fantastic <laughs> solution. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where can people find your Etsy shop?
1: Um, well, the easiest way is just to type in quiltingacres.etsy.com, and that's where I'm at. Um, I do have a website, but it's not getting as much attention. I think I do most of it through Etsy. It's a little bit easier because they already have it set up nicely for us to use. So.
0: And I will make sure I put a link to that on the show notes. And I mentioned to you in one of our emails back and forth that I love the way you bundle your wool. Um, it's You don't often see here's just one piece. You find bundles of pieces. and. One of the things, I do want to make sure that the listeners know, if they've never worked with felted wool before, it's not like cotton. You don't need half a yard <laughs> of something to, to do a wonderful project. You, you use those smaller bundles. So what's your average size bundle that you offer?
1: Well, I don't really have an average. I kind of just pick out colors. But I guess I could tell you a general overall. I have anything from um, seven pieces, I think, up to 50 or so pieces, so the, you know the smallest grouping. And I have some scrap bundles on there too. So around, let's see, the small, smallest bundles around eight dollars. And I'm happy to do um, custom bundles too if you don't see exactly what you're looking for. But the great thing about the salted wool is you. I would suggest keeping anything that's um, maybe the dime size or larger, just because you can use all those little pieces for leaves and berries and flowers and flower centers and um you
0: don't need much of it i guess right so it doesn't take up as much room in your stash you can have a much bigger stash of felted wool <laughs> in the same amount of space exactly. yeah <laughs> now you did you were wonderful enough to send me quite a selection of felted wool actually and i will be using it for a giveaway however um, I'm probably going to use this interview this week, and my other giveaway is still going on. So I'm going to announce the Felted Wool giveaway after my uh, year podcast anniversary giveaway is done, which is next week. Um, so there will be a giveaway of Felted Wool. And it's a big stack in a wide variety of colors, and I may break it into two stacks. You sent me a lot. <laughs> it's Again, that's the nice thing about Felted Wool. You don't need big pieces. It's great. <laughs> what other types of designs and patterns and things do you have in addition to the felted wool?
1: Um, I have a Nanny's Flower Garden um, Blocks a Month Kit, which is more flowers and it's all applique um, hand-dyed. The top is all um, hand-dyed and then I use um, embellishments and velvets and cottons for um, the other types of applique. I have little pin cushions and needle keepers. Oh, I have a wrist pin cushion. There'll be Oh, there's a couple of pillow patterns, and then I have a pattern upcoming that will be for a satchel that I'm going to teach in the local area.
0: So that will be a new kit coming up. Um, I think that's it. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> I think that's great. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Like, Like you know, I'm a fan of felted wool, and I was glad to find your Etsy shop, and I'm looking forward to maybe getting some of our listeners hooked on felted wool as well. It's a lot of fun to
1: do. Oh, great. <laughs> well, thank you for having me.
0: And again, thank you, Aaron, so much for taking time, especially precious time without a baby around. We all know how precious that time is when you can get it. And I appreciate that you took it talking with me and with our listeners. So thank you very much for that. And Aaron's Etsy shop is, again, at quiltingacres.etsy.com. And again, I will post that link in my show notes. And um, as I mentioned at the intro, I will also post the link to the article on how to felt wool. And I thought about uh, posting some links to some good resources, uh, books and things like that. But you know, they're all over the place and it would be too hard for me to pick one. And I've only got about half an hour left to work on this podcast uh, because I've got Guild tonight that I really want to make it to. And um, I'm leaving on vacation tomorrow until Sunday night. So I'm trying to get this thing out the door. So... uh You're on your own in terms of finding good Felted Wool projects, books, and the like. If any of you have some favorites that you'd like to recommend to others, you can always post comments in the show notes. That would be fantastic. Um, Okay, the Felted Wool giveaway. In the conversation, I had said that I wasn't going to actually announce it yet, but, you know, I want to (laughs) because, you know, it's just, oh, the more I can give away, the, the happier I am frankly. And like I said, I've got a nice big stack of felted wool pieces here from Erin, a wide variety of colors, um, several pieces. They are small pieces, but again, you don't need much to work with. Um, So here's the felted wool giveaway. I'm going to let it run until the end of April, since I already have this other one going until the 18th. So in order to receive or to put your name in the drawing for felted wool, tell me why you'd like to have it. So why do you want to have some felted wool? And let me know that by April 30th by posting comments in the show notes or um, on our Facebook page or emailing me. Any way I can keep track of all of those things. So again, the um, let me know why you want to have some felted wool and your name will get entered in a drawing by April 30th. Okay, Sandy update. Not a whole lot. I did realize, however, last episode, I completely forgot to let you know whether or not my mother-in-law liked the quilt I made her. Um, You remember the floral Bouquet quilt that was my most recent finished I was making for my mother-in-law? Did she like it? Did she not like it? Yes, she did. I made her cry. And that, as I've said before, was always our goal. (laughs) And not only did she um, really appreciate it, we gave it, we had gone out to dinner uh, for her birthday. Originally, they were supposed to come over to our house one week, and we were going I was going to give it to her then. But unfortunately, some stuff came up in the family. We weren't able to do it. We had to cancel at the last minute, uh, which actually, uh, what the benefit of that was, I had time to actually get a label on the quilt, which I hadn't been sure I was going to do otherwise. So I did get a label on the quilt. See, I do practice what I preach. And uh, anyway, the following weekend, we decided to um, just go to a restaurant for dinner. It was just simpler all around. And so um, we gave her the quilt wrapped up, of course, at the restaurant. And not only was she absolutely thrilled with it, but the waitress happened to drop by the table at the same time as my mother-in-law was opening it and, and asked all sorts of questions that made me think the waitress may well have been a quilt maker herself. She never actually said that, um, but she referred to it um, as she said something about, oh, I really like that pattern um, and some other comment that she made that just kind of more the the quilter speak than it was just a kind of -of run-of-the-mill admirer um so i unfortunately was not in a position where i could really follow up with her on that (laughs) jump on her and find out if she was a quilt maker. And if she wasn't, could I make her one? But in any case, that was just kind of a fun little addition to the evening. Um, And then my mother-in-law called me again the next day to once again tell me thank you for the quilt. And she said that she has it laying over the back of a chair in her living room so that she can appreciate it every day. So that was um, definitely a success. Now, uh, what I've got going on now, I did finally get around this week to starting my pinwheel project. I'd given myself a couple of weeks off, um, as it turned out. Not really intentionally, but I just was waiting to kind of get to the point where I was in the mood to work on another quilt making project. And that finally did click in this week. uh, I think I have 16 blocks altogether to do for the center, and I've got eight done at this point which is not bad. I mean, they're just standard half-square triangle pinwheel blocks, so they're not hard. The one thing I did do a little bit differently this time from what I've done in the past is where all those points come in the center, there's a trick that you do um, for how the seams attach in the back to make it lie more flat, and I've never actually done that trick before, and decided to do it this time because with a pinwheel quilt you, or a pinwheel block you have twice as many seams coming together all in one place as you do with a four patch um and so i decided it really could use it and i did do it it's a little bit tricky to do with a pinwheel because there's because there are more seams coming together it's a little harder to kind of tease out what needs to actually lay flat um but it's not impossible and of course, with practice, it gets faster. So I had posted about that process with some pictures and such on my Blogspot blog, my blogger blog, and um, got some nice comments to that, which I'll be referring to later. But one in particular, um, I think it was Anne. Uh, probably will come to it in my listener comments response list later, uh, but did give some tips for ways to do it a little bit more, um, not more easily than what I'm doing. She just explained better what it is I'm doing. It's the same thing. Uh, she just explained it better and um, did mention a couple of things that i had left out in my description. Uh, so, I, and just so you know, my, my, purpose was not to post a tutorial. It was simply to say, looky what I just did. So you're not going to get a full instruction about how to do what I did, but it will give you at least an idea of what can be done if you've never done that before. So anyway, that's the Sandy update. And then of course I do leave on vacation tomorrow. It's just a long weekend. We're gone Wednesday through late Sunday night. Uh, and then I have to go to work Monday morning so that's next week I'm going to be a little tired but it'll be nice so I'm not going to get any quilting done while I'm gone. I don't even have that I know of any quilt magazines to bring with me which is highly unusual um, but I am reading a quilt related book which I might do a review of sometime later. Anyway I digress. Um, listener comments uh, you know I've got a lot so I'm actually only going to respond directly to a handful of them um, more, the more recent ones. And like I said, I'm holding on to the ones that everybody has been sending about what they've learned in the last year related to one of my giveaways. Um, I'm holding on to those because as I've been reading them again, you guys are writing an episode for me. It is just fantastic stuff. So I'm not referencing any of those yet. That's going to be an upcoming uh, episode once the uh, drawing is done. And I know that I've got all the comments in. Meanwhile, Let's see. The last episode that I did, uh, which I did the quilters exercises and uh, some book reviews, Margaret sent me an email to point out that her daughter has been making sock monkeys and glove critters for years. And she has, her daughter has an Etsy shop that is completely, and her daughter is 14 years old. And this is all her daughter's idea. Her daughter actually made her mother and father learn PayPal and Etsy and things like that to help her get that all set up. But otherwise, it's completely on her own. And she sent me her daughter's Etsy shop shop, um, link, which is etsy.com slash shop slash Emily Sock Monkeys, all one word, monkeys spelled M-O-N-K-I-E-S. And hopefully I'll remember to post that in the show notes to this episode. Um, If I don't, I'm sorry, remind me, and I will post it next week. I'm really trying to get this thing out the door so that I can get out the door as fast as possible, and I can't guarantee I'm going to remember everything I'm saying I'm going to put in the show notes. Noni responded again to episode 44. Um, in terms of book review, she commented that a lot of the books she's seeing come out now seem to be mostly highlighting fabric rather than really trying to teach techniques and and things. You know that there might be the techniques are sort of an afterthought. It almost seems. And what she says is, "I want deeper explanation of the technique and the thought process behind the quilt. Maybe I just want them to come to my house to make the quilt. Now, wouldn't that be a kick? <laughs> and yes, it would, Oney. And you know what? Actually, I." found the same thing. If you remember that I had one of the books I'd reviewed was on um, what to do with leftover blocks. And one of my complaints was that it was just a bunch of patterns, uh, which is what Noni is saying. But I found on um, one of the blogs I was reading today, actually references a book about orphan blocks, where it sounds like it does much more what I had been looking for. And it talks about Uh, Kind of the theory behind using orphan blocks, for lack of a better term, I guess. So I want to check that out. And if I do end up buying it, although at the moment I just bought some other books, (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it right away. But when I do, I will do a review of it and let you know if that's more what I had been looking for. So, Noni, I am with you on that one. Jay left a comment that she had written a review of the Pretty Little Mini Quilts book as well when it first came out, and she left the link in her comment. Uh, To her review. So I would encourage you to go to my show notes, find her comment, and then use the link to go to her review because Jay writes fantastic book reviews. I love reading her book reviews. Thank you, Jay. Um, Pam of Hip to Be a Square said So I'm the only one who benches, who bench presses her cats then? And she also said you left out the cat removal bicep curls. When small felines make a nest on your current project that's on the sewing machine, gently cup your hands and slip them under the cat. Curl your arms up to cradle said cat and gently transport him or her to a more appropriate sleeping location like your husband's head. Lather, rinse, repeat. (laughs) And thank you, uh, Pam, for (laughs) that. Thank you, cat. Yes, thank you, Pam, for that Um, cat-related exercise. It made me think of, I don't have cats to remove anymore. My Cat passed away last summer, and I have not yet replaced him. But I do have the dog removal um, side leg lift, I guess I would call it. Um, Instead of, you know, the regular, when you lift your leg up to the side to exercise your outer hip muscles, I have to do that to shove my golden retriever out. He likes to lay right behind my sewing chair. But of course, he waits until I've pulled into the sewing machine, and then he lays down. So of course, if I back up, I'm running into him which doesn't seem to bother him so much as it traps me in my sewing machine. So I have to scooch my way out of my um, sewing machine chair, walk over to him and forcibly move him with my leg, not kicking him, just shoving him forcibly out of the way. And then he finally kind of gives me a look and gets up and moves. And then he lays down right in front of my cutting table. So I have to stand over the top of him in order to use my cutting table. You know, these animals, we love them wanting to be close to us, but boy, is it a pain. Okay, Cindy of Fluffy Sheep Quilting says, maybe you saw my review of Make a Monster on Fluffy Sheep Quilting. I also have the book and have made several projects all for women in their early 20s. They love their little critters. And then she said she can't wait to see what I make. She left the link to her review of the Make a Monster book on her blog is in her um, comment on that episode. So make sure you check that out. And you know what, Cindy, when you said that, that could very well be where I saw it. It kind of when you mention it and I pictured your blog, I thought, yeah, that might have been what I was looking at at the time. So I think you may have named it. Thank you for clearing up that mystery for me. Victoria of Peacebrook Quilting Podcast said, did you mention a yoga class with your daughter? Just one suggestion. Try Yoga Amazing, Yoga Amazing Podcast. That's Y-O-G-A Amazing Podcast before trying a downward facing dog in a classroom. This is advisable for anyone who is no longer a teenager. Just Just saying. I'm not older and wiser, just older. As much as I try to lose weight, it is better at finding me. And yes, that is very true, Victoria, absolutely. I haven't checked out that podcast yet, but I definitely will. Uh, Sherry said, I have practiced to lose weight for about 45 years now. (laughs) And, and she mentions that quilting isn't the best friend for this. Um, to my delight, though, I think I'm finally getting it right and losing a few pounds. Some of this is due to maturity and some is because I can listen to podcasts on my shuffle as I go walking. So Sandy is helping me. Thank you, Sherry. I'm glad that I'm along on your walks with you. Uh, Sherry goes on to say, I need to work on my quilting exercises, though. I'm glad you brought them up. Um, Let's see. She says, the trouble is I put podcasts on in the studio too and start sewing. And before I know it, I've been sitting too long again. So this too is your fault. Sandy, thank you very much. (laughs) So I'm both helping her and hindering her (laughs) in her healthy practices. I'm so sorry, Sherry. Hopefully I can be more of a help than a hindrance. Christy said, glad your local library has a nice selection of quilting and sewing books, uh, which is very true. Thank you again, Kate. Um, Christy says she discovered a book by Bonnie Hunter called Scraps and Shirt Tales. And of course, her website is quiltville.com. I think I've mentioned Bonnie Hunter before, probably way back in one of my early episodes on scraps. Um, but Christy highly recommends the book Scraps and Shirt Tales. So check that one out. Um, Beth, <laughs> Beth sent me a comment that said, I absolutely love your descriptions so of the quilters work out. I haven't even finished listening to the podcast and had to stop and tell you, Beth, my question is, have you finished listening to it now, <laughs> or did you just leave me hanging? Jane said, glad to see you back. Sorry for all your computer troubles. Um, she really enjoyed the book reviews, and she also relies heavily on her library. Um, so the recommendations are very helpful. So glad, glad, Jane, that you enjoyed the reviews, and I hope you can find the books at your library. If not, um, you know, request them. I think if we all start walking into our libraries with requests of quilting books, maybe at some point y'all can get as good a library as I've got. I'm so proud of our library. Okay, um, some other comments that I just wanted to respond to um, fairly quickly. Quilter in the Gap had asked, uh, a ways back, sorry. Uh, she said, if I were to redo the binding on my mother-in-law's quilt, what would I have done? I had mentioned in my blog post that I wasn't very happy with the binding on it. And, you know, if I were another person, I probably would have ripped it off and done it again, but I'm me and I tend not to redo things. (laughs) Once they're done, I want to move on. Um, all that happened on the binding was I wanted it wider on the front. Um, because of the way the border was working I really wanted a wider binding and in order to do that then I used a wider seam allowance than I typically do when I'm sewing the binding on the front and what that meant was I didn't have as much of the binding to pull across to the back and when you do the binding on the back really it's supposed to come up to or cover the seam allowance or the seam from the front you know, where you see the stitching. And in many places on my mother-in-law's quilt, it just wasn't wide enough. I couldn't quite get it to cover that seam. Now, nobody but a quilt maker would even notice. So that's the main, well, the main reason I decided I wasn't going to redo it is because I wanted to get the dang thing done. But I also decided my mother-in-law would never in a million years care if she ever even noticed. And so, you know, for me to redo it would have just been a sense of perfectionism on my own part. And I struggle with perfectionism enough as it is, believe it or not, from the way I talk on this podcast, you'd never know it. But um, I do actually tend to be a bit of a perfectionist. And actually, for me, quilt making is sort of my release from that, because I have to be very attentive to details in my work. And so that's part of the reason why I do just sort of let myself go on quilt making, because it's sort of my balance to that part of my life, which is an interesting way to approach making, but that's a whole other podcast episode, I would think. In any case, that's to answer your question, Quilper, Quilter in the Gap. I would have, I should have just used my regular seam on the front and not worried about having a wider binding, because again, nobody else would really notice, but I would have been happier with the back. But you know, my mother-in-law loves it, so who cares in the end? Um, thanks also to Noni, Gretchen, Jen, Carrie, Maureen, Kate, Jane, Granny Ann, and Francis of Off-Quilter Quilt Podcast, who declared... Um, after a picture on my blog of my husband holding up my mother-in-law's quilt. She declared my husband a fabulous quilt hanger and suggested he might have a second career as such, to which I say, just wait until he's retired. He doesn't even know what he's in for yet. Um, Also, thanks to the Out of Step quilter, Cindy Lynn Celia, Franklin, who I convinced to buy the Patchwork Schoolhouse DVDs, and you won't be disappointed. Um, Dawn and Denise, to whom I say yes, do buy the book. Uh, Mikey Willa, Jamie Lee, who does also have the book that the Floral Bouquet came from and also recommends it. Mary Sarah, Debbie of Chester, New York, who, by the way, I think recently had a real spurt of luck. If I recall, um, Debbie's won a couple of giveaways from other folks' blogs, etc. If I'm not misremembering things, so congratulations, uh, Jennifer, Joyce, and Rhiannon. Thank you to all of you who have left um, comments, and I mention you by name because I really do appreciate when people come and take the time to leave comments on any of the various places. You can leave comments for me. I love reading them. Um, I wish I could respond to everyone, so me reading your names out in my podcast episode is me saying thank you. Um, I want to put a name to the comment, so thank you very much for leaving comments. Um, Okay, there's the comment which I did mention, Anne-Marie, again, that she gave some additional good information about the trick with the seams on the back of a block to make it lay more flat, so make sure you go to my quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com blog uh, to see that comment. Um, also, since I was holding off mentioning everybody who has left comments in response to the podcast anniversary giveaway, I inadvertently missed mentioning somebody who left a comment that was not in response to that, but at the it was left at the same time. So it kind of got lost in my little personal shuffle there. Um, and I want to say thanks, DD, for your comment. Welcome to the podcast. And woot woot for Genomi owners. Whee! I like meeting other Genomi folks. Um, you know, we're few and far between in a Bernina world. Sorry, <laughs> no offense to Bernina owners, but we Genomi owners have to stick together. And Noni commented on episode 42, where I first announced, I think, the Stash Mystery Challenge, inspired by children's artwork, um, that she's excited for a challenge she can actually participate in because she'd already been planning a quilt inspired by and for her grandson, to which I say, Noni, glad to oblige. Um, Sue. Oh, and this is the last listener comment I'm going to respond to because she does raise a very good issue. Um, Sue said, first of all, that I might have inspired her to cut into one of those jelly roll decorations or fabric packs, (laughs) which I appreciated. Sue, that was very funny. Um, Sue said, I also wanted to comment on something I heard on your podcast. You said you never put your quilts into shows because you don't need to hear where all the problems are or something like that. And you're the second podcaster I've heard this comment from. Um, and she really hopes that we're not actually discouraging people from putting quilts into shows. As she says, without entries, there would be no quilt shows. I like to see real people quilts as well as the award winning quilts. Our guild lets you select whether you want to have your quilt judged or just hung in the show, so you can have your quilt in shows without the judgmental part. I hope you and others will rec- reconsider displaying your quilts for all to see. And Sue, you do raise a good point, and I do want to make sure. Um, you know, everybody else don't get stuck on my own hangups. I just, for me at my stage of where I am right now, I am choosing not to put my um, quilts into shows. We do have shows here that also allow that you can either select to be judged or not judged. Um, And and that's fine. My thing is, (laughs) I have been to a few quilt shows where I've been standing next to other people, not the judges, who are being more judgmental than the judges. And, you know, I just don't need that. That is the quilt police thing. Um, I actually have not in my life had a lot of run-ins with quilt police. Um, I think they get a lot, you know, we hear them talked about a lot more than what there really are out there. You know, it's the the same thing that bad news spreads faster than good news. So you have one person who makes one nasty comment in one show and suddenly that becomes the talk of the show and not the 500 people who were perfectly nice and accepting. So that's, you know, the whole quilt police thing. There really aren't that many out there. Um, For me, it's more when I'm making a quilt, I'm making it for pure enjoyment. And, and, you know, I get this from my mother (laughs) because I remember my mother saying exactly the same thing somebody had made a comment to her at one point, oh, you should sell your quilts. And she said, no, that would make me too nervous when I'm making them. And I think that's where I'm at, is I just want to be enjoying the process for what it turns out. And I don't want to be thinking about shows or thinking about what people would say or comment other than the person for whom the the quilt is intended. Um, That's my hang up. And apparently it's genetic. Um, so I don't want to imply to anybody else that that quilts are by or quilt shows are by nature a judgmental thing. Um, you know, I know lots of people who put quilts in shows and love doing it and love the feedback that they get. Um, love the opportunity it gives them to grow in their skills. That is a fantastic opportunity for people. It's It's just not something I'm going to be doing you know, that I know of. Now, who knows, maybe next year, I'll find a show that feels right to me and a quilt that feels right to me. And I'll decide to to do that. It's just not something I've wanted to do up until now. So thank you, Sue, your point is very well taken. And I do think it's one we need to know. And I would hate to think I discouraged anybody from putting a quilt in a show. If you are considering that, please do it check out what shows are in your area. Check out what the possibilities are. Um, what are their requirements? Can you put something in without it being judged? Can you put it in, you know, how would you put it in for judging if you want to, um, find all that out and see what is even out there. And then once you know that maybe you'll make some decisions, you know, maybe you'll have something that is just perfect to put in there. So, um, Quilt shows are, are a great thing. I certainly love going to other people's quilts shows <laughs> I love going to other people's quilts. Um, <laughs> I like going to quilt shows and seeing other people's quilts. And, you know, I hope I'm not somebody who's ever made a judgmental comment that somebody else, you know, would overhear and be hurt by. Um, I'd always try to find what I like or what I'm inspired by or what I can learn from every quilt I ever look at, because you always, always, always can Um, even if it's a quilt, not personally to your taste, you can learn from it. So, okay, that's my thing on quilt shows. (laughs) Sue, you got me thinking and I'm just sharing my thoughts out loud. So thank you for that comment. Okay, a few reminders. Um, again, the podcast anniversary uh, giveaway. You are to post a comment with something new you have learned by April eighteenth. Remember, I extended the original deadline. It was originally supposed to be this Friday. I'm now giving you until this Monday because that's when I'll be home. So just let me know anything you knew you've learned quilt related, um, and post that comment by April eighteenth to have your name entered in the podcast give- podcast giveaway. Okay, that's an even better one. Podcast anniversary giveaway. Also, the new giveaway, the Felted Wool giveaway, uh, let me know why you want Felted Wool by April 30th, and then of course there's the Mystery Stash Challenge, and I believe the deadline on that one is June 20th, and all the information about that one um, can be found on the uh, on the (laughs) I'm sorry I'm losing words on the website for this podcast at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com just click on the tab that says stash challenge for all the information about that and just so you know I don't normally have this many giveaways going at once um And in fact, there may go weeks by that I don't have any giveaways going on. We just happened with a whole lot happening at once. So it's sort of like, you know, Christmas. (laughs) So have fun and put your name in for every one of them and maybe you'll get to win one. All right. Remember, we have a quilting for the rest of us Facebook page. You can follow me on Twitter or email me. Both are Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. Email is sandyquilts at gmail.com. Join the Flickr group. Really, really, I absolutely love seeing your photos in the group there. And that's, you know, if you just go to Flickr and search in groups for Quilting for the Rest of Us, you will find us. Join the Big Tent Quilt Cast Supergroup, and from there you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup. And um, I have mentioned a few times that I've also got a blog that's separate from the show notes, and you can join the Kiva team, and you can subscribe to the newsletter, which I believe I'm probably officially going to decide will be going to buy monthly because I obviously can't keep up with monthly. And you will find links to everything, all that good stuff that I just mentioned at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com, And I think that's it. I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but for now, <laughs> that'll be it for this week. And I do hope you will go visit Erin's Etsy shop. And um, until then, go get your quilty on. quilting for the rest of us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.